0: And I hope that my legacy helps people to see that this is really systems work with people at the heart of it.
1: Hey, Avid family, this is Stephanie Downey.
2: And I'm Kelly Hogan Flowers.
1: From Rooms Avid, and you're listening to the Rooms Avid Roundtable, the podcast where we discuss all things Avid. On this podcast, we sit down with a special guest to talk about their Avid journey. They will tell their story and explain what makes them an avid rock star. They will share ideas, best practices, and strategies that they've learned along the way.
2: The RIMS Avid team works under the umbrella of the San Bernardino County Superintendent of Schools Office. We are so lucky to have the full support of Superintendent Ted Alejandre and the entire county office. Steph and I are so pleased to be joined today by Tracy Chambers, the Assistant Superintendent of Education Support Services for the San Bernardino County Superintendent of Schools. Tracy comes to us uh, at SBCSS from Hemet Unified, where she was the assistant superintendent of educational services for six years. The 10 years before that, she held all sorts of leadership roles from assistant principal to principal to director of professional development. Prior to her time with Hemet Unified, she was an elementary school teacher and site-based instructional coach in Palm Springs Unified. Tracy brings such a passion for students and an incredible wealth of knowledge to her position. One of the things that our team first noticed about her is that she has a definite love for all things Avid. The second thing we noticed is that she has a pretty fantastic sense of humor. We are absolutely thrilled to have Tracy as our guest today, and we know after this episode, you will understand why the RIMS-AVID team is so crazy about this new addition to the County Superintendent's Office. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. We're excited to learn what you're bringing to the table.
0: Well, thank you both for having me. I'm excited to be here.
2: Awesome. So we start off with the same question for all of our guests just to kind of break the ice and uh, get things going. So our question is, where did you go to school and what do you have in common with your college mascot? So like the example I give is that I went to Cal State Fullerton and uh, the uh, mascot is a titan or an elephant. And what we have in common is that elephants are formidable opponents. And like me, they're slow to anger, but once they're mad... Watch out! So, how about for you? Where did you go, and what do you have in common with your school's mascot?
0: All right. Well, I went to school at Point Loma Nazarene University okay. in San Diego. I was really uh, a tough time. I had an ocean view room my first two years. Oh, um, yeah, family. it was a it was school. it was really rough. Um, the mascot is no longer the mascot. Oh. So, at that time, the mascot were the Crusaders. Okay. Um, And so that has since changed. I think it's a sea lion now or something along those lines. I should probably look into that. Um, But I would say what I have in common with the mascot at the time was just I was on a mission to get through school and uh, get it in the rearview mirror.
2: I think Crusader works for you. I think (laughs) that's a great way to describe you, actually.
1: Yeah. So at one of our workshops, you shared a great story about your history with Avid. Can you share how and when you were introduced to Avid? Sure. Um, So I
0: entered into the role of director of professional development. And what was great about that role is it served uh, preschool through high school. Um, But at that time, my experience really was in elementary school. And so when I stepped into the role of professional development, I learned that AVID was going to be um, a part of my Um, roles and responsibilities. And so I had to um, very quickly figure out what does AVID. And and this was prior to AVID Elementary really being uh, a um, a priority or a focus in the world of AVID. And so it was predominantly, you know, a secondary thing. So I um, um, had the opportunity to Do visits across campuses. And so that was part of my role. And my first real introduction to AVID was uh, on a site visit. And um, I'll share the story in that um, AVID was a lifesaver during that visit. So I was on a visit, I was with my uh, superintendent and colleagues. And we were going around to take a look at the um, instruction that was happening inside of classrooms. And unfortunately, the first couple of classrooms that we went into um, left us wanting uh, for more. Uh, We didn't see the engagement. We didn't see the rigor. We didn't see uh, the critical thinking that I would have hoped to have seen in classrooms. And I was actually quite concerned Mm -hmm. about the instructional program. But once we got to the rotation where we got to go into classrooms that were integrating Wicker strategies, classrooms that uh, actually got to see a tutorial process and hear kids talk about their point of confusion uh, in their lesson, um, I had a lot of hope and admiration for the work that Avid was leading. So that was really my first. Um, window into the systems that AVID schools and AVID classrooms put into place uh, that really made me a believer from the beginning.
1: I love that. Thank you.
2: I I love that. Left you wanting more. That's such a nice way to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've all been there. And we're so happy that those were not AVID classes. (laughs) Yes. So, Tracy, Assistant County Superintendent is kind of a big deal. So, can you describe your current work and tell us How did you get here?
0: Can you let my mom know that it's a big deal? (laughs) She's like, what do you do exactly? Uh, Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, so this has been a great um, learning opportunity for me coming from a single district. uh, We had a a good size, about 22,000 students, and I had, you know, the opportunity to support Curriculum, instruction, assessment, technology—all the things that really typically live in an ed services world. So, but but coming to the county, we are uniquely positioned to support um, 33 school districts um, that have very unique and differing contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say unique and differing, down from our smallest district has uh, less than 100 students mm-hmm. uh, to our largest district at almost 50,000. And so what's been great for me is really being able to come alongside and understand that as a county office, we are really a support mechanism and that we are able to provide expertise and guidance in all things that really live inside of ed services. Um, So when you think about the California dashboard and all the metrics that our districts are working hard to improve, um, my role is really how do we come alongside in a meaningful way and provide a service that is relevant and relative, um, to what districts are needing in terms of the heavy lift of meeting the needs of every kid in their district.
1: So share with us your favorite educational memory or what your best teaching experience, your greatest success story, something along those lines. Oh my
0: goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm smiling because I'm thinking of different kids that I've experienced.
2: <laughs> we always do. Um,
0: <clears throat> I think um, some of my greatest memories or things that have stood out is um, my husband is is a nurse and he works at a hospital and one day he was having a conversation with another nurse and they were just, he happened to be talking about his wife, I'm sure all positively of course, but in that conversation, um, it, he figured out that I had taught two of uh, his colleagues' children. And it was this great connection, um, in that, you know, she, of course, said all the lovely things like you were their favorite teacher Mm -hmm. and all of that. But I was invited to um, their daughter's uh, surprise birthday party uh, when she turned 27 years old. And um, I got to walk in and uh, see my former student. And she immediately recognized me, which made me feel good because it it had (laughs) been a minute. And she said to me she remembered the letters that I had written to her over the summer um, in between um, after she was my student and that she had saved them. And so I think that's just one of my my favorite things. Um, and I regularly get to hear how she's doing through her mom who works with my husband, but just that full circle, um, experience of seeing a little, I had her when she was in second grade oh. and she oh, wow. was this darling little quiet and shy student. And now this, um, you know, adult that has a great future ahead of her. And, uh, so that for me has been really, um, powerful and just seeing it all come together. I love that. Thank uh, you for sharing.
2: It's a great sharing. one. All right. So what would you like to be your educational legacy? You mm-hmm. know, when people talk about you years from now, when you're <clears throat> at your retirement years from now, no time soon, <laughs> um, and they're talking about just the impact that you've made, what, mm-hmm. what would you like your legacy to be?
0: That's a great question. It's funny because I have two seven-year-old kids. Um, so I often think about what do I want my legacy to mm-hmm. be for my own children um, I think in my work environment, um, A, I think I want people to say that um, I cared about them as a person. Um, I think above all things that that is really meaningful to me about how um, how people are treated. So that's thing one. I want them to say, um, you know, she was kind, she was caring, she was thoughtful, um, and cared about others. Um, I think on the really technical or professional side, I'm really passionate about improvement. And I really learned a lot of lessons around leading the work that involves people. Um, And um, systems have problems, um, (laughs) people have needs. And so I really wanna emphasize that there are lots of ways of going about improving and getting into a disposition where you don't make it about people, you make it about what are the systems or the conditions that are in place to get the outcome that we desire. And I hope that my legacy helps people to see that this is really systems work with people at the heart of it.
2: We've definitely done that that mm-hmm. kind of you know that kind of work together in our in our meetings, um, and I do appreciate that because you know for so many of us there's that connection to people. You know, of course, as teachers, it should be people first, but it can't be people only. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the time, you know, I think one of my favorite activities is when we talked about not rushing in to fix um, which is a hard thing to do when, when you're bossy like some of the people at this table. Um, <laughs> she's it, not
1: talking about me, is she? I don't <laughs> think she's talking about me either. I'm <laughs> um, talking about me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that is, it, it's hard not to, not to do that. And so I appreciate that um, as, as a lesson you know, for us and just proof that you really can teach an old dog new tricks because oh. I've been doing this a long time and it was like, oh, I could, I could step my game up a little bit. So I appreciate that.
1: One, we've talked about this because we just had our our one-on-one, but um, just the, how much I feel like I've grown as a leader learning those things, yes. right, and looking through those lenses instead of whatever lens I was looking through before. And I was just thinking, too, it relates back to even when we think about AVID systems with our coordinators, that they're not always going to stay but so fixing some of those systems and getting some really great systems in place yes. is what makes a great because people move. Education, people are always changing and moving and leadership and coordinators. And so creating those solid systems makes such a difference in keeping a program moving along when there is so much movement in education.
0: Yeah, I, w- I think back like to early in my career, I was much more focused on people
1: mm-hmm.
0: being the issue. And I think just through... Um, I've been very fortunate to have just a number of leaders and opportunities that have really shaped my thinking around that and um, just the value of thinking about it from a systems perspective. And I do think that's why Avid is so powerful Because it is about building a sustainable system. And yes, there are great people that serve in different Mm -hmm. roles, but we don't wanna play the lottery with our (laughs) kids' education. You know, we wanna ensure that they are in an environment where systems are built and designed to meet their needs. And that's why I think AVID is one of the assets to what we provide uh, to our community, and that it's building a system around our kids education rather than being dependent on individuals Mm. and and again I've learned that over time and I think that doesn't necessarily come naturally but that's a skill that we can all learn because we do want to fix the problem that's right in front of us but we really want to work to how do we solve this so that um, no one's child is in a position where they can't experience what's best for them
1: Mm. so good All right, so AVID stands for Advancement Via Individual Determination. Uh, How do you demonstrate your individual determination? My individual determination? Well, um,
0: I've shared. So I have twins. (laughs) (coughs) Um, I have a great husband, partner. I got three dogs and a duck. Um, And so... (laughs) She's like me. (laughs) I know. uh, So you just do it. Uh, You just, um, you know, I try to do well in all aspects of my life don't do it all the time and in fact pretty regularly pretty sure I screw a number of things up but um I think um I'm goal orientated in terms of I know what I want to get accomplished and I just do what it takes to get there so that is um I would say I have a number of systems in place, actually, (laughs) to help me to overcome. I just did a presentation the other day. So right now I'm failing at planning nutritious meals for my children. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's just I've accepted that as a mom. Like, that's not my strength. But I'm really good at monitoring their screen time and (laughs) making sure I read with them every night. So it's really just balancing the priorities and what is okay to let go of. I am going to work on the nutritious meal thing because I think it's going to catch up to all of us at some point. But just really trying to have a goal and working towards that and just uh, kind of doing whatever it takes.
1: Can we be honest that the meal thing is probably the hardest thing ever with kids? (laughs) Like that's I don't know that any of us has ever actually, like, conquered that because whenever we think we've – Made something that they love, and we're like, "Oh, this is a good one. This is going to go in the rotation." They're like, "I don't like this anymore." Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I'm glad it's so. Not no, just me. it's not. It's you not know, just and I. You. Yeah, and my kids <laughs> all like the opposite things, so oh. they never like the same thing. So it's really fun to try to figure out how to feed them when <laughs> one loves this and one hates it, and the other one loves it and this. And okay, it's just, good. I feel bad. So I feel I. That's <laughs> I think my biggest struggle as well is figuring out how to feed these children while or, being busy yeah, exactly and or, they're busy and it's or all one
2: day it's like oh baked chicken is my favorite thing in the world mm-hmm. and so it's like I make it again the next week ew baked chicken
1: yeah okay, for all the bananas on the counter because they ate 15 mm-hmm. of them the day before and now they're like oh I do like bananas <laughs> so we okay, feel okay, you. good I'm feeling yeah, better yeah, yeah. We, yeah. yeah. That's, this yeah. is just the mom so struggle so I'm,
0: I'm determined to keep trying but the struggle is definitely real yeah we definitely yeah. should yeah. Yeah, keep trying to feed them but
2: <laughs> <laughs> they don't make it easy yeah <laughs> So if you weren't doing this work, what do you think you'd be doing?
0: Oh, I, I fantasized about this a lot. Okay, here <laughs> yeah, we are. We're ready. I don't know that I could earn a substantial enough living to survive, although some people have made it. I am obsessed with organizing. Um, it, I, it was cool. I was doing this before it was cool, before there were books and home edits and all the things. I think you cannot control a lot of things in life, but you can control stuff. So I really enjoy controlling stuff. So organizing, decorating, streamlining things. You know, my husband's always like, where is the pizza cutter? Why have you moved it? I'm like, it's in a more functional location now. (laughs) And it's in a cute little tub and you're going to like it. So I think if I wasn't doing this, it brings me a lot of joy to do organizing. And I would love to help other people do that. So maybe when I retire someday, but my kids and my husband definitely experience mom's need to organize everything. That's so avid.
2: It, it really is.
0: <laughs> and so are yes. you one of those
2: people that watches those videos when they're organizing the refrigerator or organizing the drawers on TikTok and oh, they yeah. show
0: yeah. yeah, the before and afters? Yeah, I game love changing. Those. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I like watching those, you know, my, <laughs> I
1: feel like I'm not doing them. Yeah, the fridge is still
2: a mess, but like, man, what it would, that, what that,
1: what yeah. must that be
2: like to have it but, I I feel like
1: though it's one of those things where you do it and then the next few weeks it doesn't look like that anymore. Like, do their fridges always look like that? Yeah,
0: no, probably not. Because I just
1: redid the whole Tupperware cupboard and it looked beautiful and I looked in it today and I was like, "Mm, it doesn't look like this. It doesn't look good anymore.
0: So in my refrigerator, I have these cute little plastic bins and they're labeled. And so I have one that says dairy for the milk. My husband's like, I refuse to put the milk in your little container. Like, so he intentionally doesn't put it in there. But, um, you know, it's it's the small (laughs) struggles.
2: Fight the battles, you can win. (laughs) That's not one.
0: Yeah, not winning that
1: one. Uh, All right, so it's very obvious you have a real passion for education. We've seen it in our meetings. We've seen it just in conversations with you. Can you tell us where that comes from and how it affects your work? Yeah,
0: so growing up, my dad uh, was a teacher and um, he taught for, I think, 37, 38 years. Um, so from, from the get-go, um, I had this um, modeling of the impact of um, serving kids. And my mom was actually the secretary at my middle school. So I also had that fun perspective. And that's really where I gained a lot of lens into the administrative side of the house because she talked a lot about supporting her principal and, you know, what that looked like. But my dad, um, our, our home, our physical home, and this was, you know, a long time ago, but our, our front yard, um, my parents took out all of the grass and um, concreted the front yard so that we could have a basketball court, um, and my dad coached basketball for 27 years, and players um, would come over and my mom would make spaghetti. Um, and this was a, a regular memory that I had of just um, the relationship that he had with his students and the power of that. And I remember being at home and the doorbell ringing and it would be a former player that just came by to say hi, a former student that just came by to say hi. And, um, My dad was recently inducted into um, the Coaching Hall of Fame for Palm Springs Unified, Mm -hmm. and it was adorable to see his players show up that I remember um, as a little girl. So I think for me, the passion really comes from seeing the profound impact that my dad had on his students and his players. And wanting a sense of a, a job that really influenced the lives of of kids, and I've just always um grown up with this uh, modeling from both my parents around service uh, to others, so that's where it comes from for me
2: that's that's fantastic and I, and, and shout out to the coaches' daughters because you know i'm a, I'm a coach's daughter, so i understand I understand what that's like. all right, so our last question we um, and we always end it the same. We want to know you know, what advice do you have for our listeners? So if we're talking about educational advice. So if you're going to say to be successful in your education, you you need to do this one thing. What's the one thing or two things?
0: All right. One or two things. Let me see. Um, I think coming from the coaching background that and, and seeing the impact um, that that had both growing up and then serving as an instructional coach, I, I think my advice is to always be in a disposition or a stance to be a learner. Um, the times are, as we all know, radically changing and shifting. And I say this to my folks all the time. Mm-hmm. The skills that got you into the position are not the skills that are going to keep you in your position. Yes. And so I'd say for anyone in education to be successful, if you feel like you have arrived, it's, you're, you're, it's probably time to go. <laughs> um, it's more about are, how can you get into a stance where you really see yourself as a learner and never lose that. That would be my, my, my two cents.
2: That's your one. <laughs> that's a good one. That's very good. Yeah.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add or talk about? Or No, I, I, I want to say I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I think that for people that are listening that don't know a lot about Avid or have people that they work with that don't, I think um, that systems approach is really um, important to emphasize in that it's not about a program. It's about building an infrastructure and a system that ensures that our kids learn and receive what they need at high levels. And so Telefriend, a, friend, tell a friend or two, and SBCSS, we, we really are here to advocate and support those that are in that learning stance that want to learn what can we do to improve the systems that we have to support kids. So thank you both for your time. It was fun. It was my first
1: podcast. Um, hopefully not the last. Maybe I'll be back have again to get you back in again and talk it. about some other stuff. So that's it for this episode of RIMS Avid Roundtable. I'm Stephanie and I'm Kelly. If you have questions, feedback on today's episode, or an idea for a future show, please tweet us at RIMS Avid or email RIMS Team at sbcss.net. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out our website rimsavid.org for all the latest news and events.
2: And thank you to Tracy for taking time out of your insanely busy schedule to come hang out with us today and to share your avid excellence. And like it or not, you are now part of the RIMS Avid family, and we're all pretty happy about it. And thank all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Join us next time for more RIMS Avid Roundtable. We'll save you a seat.